right. Hello, everyone. Welcome to This Week in Mormons, the Sisters Edition with your hosts, Ariane Smith and Tiffany Hales. Here we are, a new year. This is our first time this is podcasting our, this year. Yes, for 2021, this is our first podcast. It feels like we just did this. <laughs> it does feel like we did just did this. December seemed to fly by rather quickly, yeah. as most Decembers do, despite the fact that in our last podcast we were discussing it was a much quieter December than normal. Yes, yes, it was. Okay. Uh, first thing I want to discuss today... <laughs> Do you have high hopes for the year 2021? I have to tell you, a year ago, had anybody told me what 2020 was going to be like, I would have said, yeah, crazy. In fact, even in March, when the when COVID yeah. first started breaking, because I remember the last night we were in the temple before they closed the temple, never in my wildest dreams that I think did I think we'd be 10 months down the road and still out of we'd the temple. still be here. Yeah. It's crazy. It's I, crazy. I do have high hopes. And right now, my biggest hope, one of my biggest hopes. Okay. I have many hopes. <laughs> okay. Well, tell me one of your biggest hopes. My biggest, one of my biggest church-related hopes, obviously besides temples opening, is going back to the two-hour church. <laughs> really? Are you not doing two-hour church right now? Well, it dawned on me recently over the past several months that two-hour church, now that we are in like this hybrid church mode, has actually turned into more like three to four hour church. Oh, dang. <laughs> Depending on the Sunday. And that defeats the purpose of two hour church. I know. We were really spoiled by that two hour church. And you would think doing it at home would be less time, but it's just the way it has worked out in my ward is really weird. Okay. And I don't think all wards are like this. No, because my ward is definitely not like this. Because I don't think your like ward is like no. this. But in the, we've been on this hybrid church for a while where yes. sacrament meeting is in person or online. You can choose. And then you come home from sacrament meeting, and then you have a various smattering of Zoom meetings. Throughout the day, depending yes. on what category you fall yes. into. So some weeks there's Sunday school, some weeks there's young women, some weeks there's elders quorum, some weeks there's young men, some weeks there's a really, it's just like, it's all over the place. Like there's a, yeah. there's a uh, spreadsheet to keep track of it all, well, of which course. is good. <laughs> You would need that. <laughs> but depending on the week, sometimes it lines up that you end up having like regular sacrament meeting and Sunday school and young women's. Oh. Depending on the week. Okay. Or regular, like, okay, this is on my mind mostly today because this last Sunday, my teenage daughter bore the brunt of it. She, okay. She ended up with regular sacrament meeting. So we went to sacrament meeting. And then we came home and we did Sunday school. They had adult Sunday school Zooming at the same time as they had youth Sunday school Zooming. Okay. So she did her youth Sunday school. We did our adult Sunday school. Then an hour later, she had to get back on for young women's. Oh, dear. And then later that night at 7 o'clock, they had a bishop's fireside via Zoom. Oh, dear. <laughs> so by the time 7 o'clock came around, she was a very angsty teen. Ooh. She's like, this is my fourth hour of church today. And I was like, you're right. You're right. You you couldn't really argue with that? I couldn't argue. But then I did also to try to remind her that like most of her childhood was three-hour church. So True. it wasn't that different. But how quickly we forget. It, it, it sounds like it fell on deaf teenage ears. Yes. How quickly we forget. And I'll admit, I'm the same. I'm like, how quickly I've forgotten that church used to be three hours. Exactly. And now if I have to do more than two, I'm like, well, what? <laughs> but still, I think nothing beats a Zoom meeting where you're sitting on your couch, comfy, not in a hard church chair, with a blanket around you if you're cold. I mean... 
I kind of don't mind Zoom Church or Zoom Relief Society or Zoom Sacrament. <laughs> it is very nice. Although the hybrid's kind of tricky because you do still have to get dressed up and go yeah. if you're going. And then you come home and there's like a brief, you have to hurry home. Yeah. The timing of the Zoom and get back on the Zoom. Yeah, anyway. no, that I understand. Well, and but. we're going to be experiencing that because we are, at the end of the month, going to start physically going back for sacrament, but mm-hmm. we will still have our Zoom second hour meetings. But they at least don't scatter them throughout the day. They combine They'll all- be back to back. Well, yeah. So yeah. what they do is they combine the youth. Mm-hmm. So the youth are in one meeting, the adults are in another meeting, and then they rotate it with the adults between Sunday school and pre- or between, yeah, between Sunday school, Relief Society and Priesthood. Just every, yeah. everybody gets a turn once everybody a month. Everybody gets a turn once a month. That's good. They did try and throw primary into the mix once and oh, that yeah. was kind of hilarious. We got primary back now. Once a month we got primary yeah. on our spreadsheet of meetings. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's good. It just, it really makes me think about, oh man, is this what it was like back in your day uh, when hey. they had, I was going to say olden days, but. <laughs> yeah, you could say olden days because it's true. <laughs> back when they had. You I, had to go back to the church building, right? I am for Sunday. Ancient enough, ancient enough to remember Sunday school in the morning and sacrament meeting in the evening, Relief Society on Tuesdays, and Young Men, Young Women on Wednesdays. And so what about primary? Was uh, that primary, during Sunday school? No. Primary, they had junior Sunday school. Oh, so you had junior Sunday okay. school, you had adult Sunday school, and that was in the morning. And then you went home and did whatever, took a nap, ate dinner, and then you would come back around five or six for sacrament meeting. Okay. And then Tuesday during the day, they had Relief Society. Wednesday after school was primary, and then Wednesday evening was young men, young women. Oh, yeah. It's a lot of meetings to remember. It, it was a lot of meetings to remember. And that... I was probably about, I'm guessing I was about 10 or 11 when they switched from that to the block program because I was still in, I think I was, if I remember correctly, I was still, I was on the crusp mm-hmm. of going to, into young men or young women's when they changed to the block, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. So yes, that's exactly what it was like. And the real torture of that was Sunday night TV, because when I was a kid growing up, there were some mighty fine programs on <laughs> Sunday night TV and such as like the wonderful world of Disney. Oh, of course, now I yes. wasn't as into that as I was like Nancy Drew Hardy boys. And my mother would want to linger longer. I should say our mother would want to linger longer and talk with people. And I'd be like, mom, I'm missing my television show. Get in the car. We need to go home. Oh man. That didn't go over well. Oh man. Anyway. Yeah. So we're, we're dealing with all right random different church schedules, but it's fine. Well, I'm going to talk about my new assignment. Now this isn't a calling. This mm-hmm. is an assignment that I was given. So I have to tell you the hilarity behind this. So it was the Sunday before Christmas. My husband, Darren, and I were driving around delivering Christmas candy to various and assorted people in our ward. And I get a text message from this gentleman in our ward who we are very good friends with both him and his wife. And he is the high counselor in our ward. Mm -hmm. And he begins the text message with Sister Tanner as opposed to Tiffany, which tells me he's going to talk to me about official church business and... Not, this is not a friendly this is call. Not, this is not a friendly call. <laughs> so he says, Sister Tanner, can I talk to you sometime? Will you give mm-hmm. me a call when you have a minute? And so my husband and I are both like, ooh. 
it isn't good when your high councilman wants to talk to you. That 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 can't end well for anybody. Better than stake president. Better than stake <laughs> president. True that. So um, I call him back mm-hmm. and I put him on speakerphone and he says, you know, hey, I have an assignment for you. And I was like, okay, tell me what it is. Um, our stake has started this Facebook page and they're wanting to use this Facebook page kind of as a missionary tool. Mm-hmm. And he said, there's apparently a stake over in Rigby that just kind of has some sort of a killer Facebook page that just has all these videos and content. And I guess it's just driving the missionary effort over there, something fierce. Uh, because of how good this Facebook page is, and they would like to amp up our content on our Facebook page. And so he said, we want, we've got a, somebody from the stake who's called, we want a representative from our warden. Everybody thought you would be the perfect person for social media content. And I said, well, of course I am. I said, so let me get this clear since we're in the presence of my husband. You want me to spend time on social media? And he's like, yes. And I'm like, Hear that, honey? Might mean me while my husband's going, are you kidding me? I'm trying to get her off social media. And like the godfather, you're pulling her back in. Oh, that's so funny. So, so have you done anything yet? I have not done anything yet. He introduced me to the, uh, via email mm-hmm. to the, um, stake guy who's in charge, who was quite confused by my name because I have created all sorts of confusion with my oh, name. Yes, with your maiden name. Because my email comes back as <laughs> Hales, which is my maiden name. Mm-hmm. Um, but the guy introduces me to him as Tiffany Tanner. And so the poor, the poor guy is like, what in the world is your last name? And I said, well, it depends on the context. <laughs> <laughs> we're talking at church or professionally? If we're talking professionally or on social media, I'm going to be Tiffany Hales. If we're talking church, I'm going to be Tiffany Tanner. <laughs> anyway, it was kind of funny. So, well, that'll be fun. You'll have to keep us updated on the workings of the steak Facebook I... page. I will keep you updated. The one thing I did determine from looking at the Facebook page for Rigby, Idaho, is I was like, wow, they have somebody over there who has some mad camera and editing skills. Hopefully somebody in our stake has some mad camera and editing skills because their videos were really- What are they posting videos of? Slick. Well, for example, they had a video, like they, um, they were interviewing just members of their stake and letting them kind of tell their stories okay. or challenges that they had in their life and how mm-hmm. they faced those challenges. And they were really personable. Like you could look at this video mm-hmm. and you could, you know, if you weren't a member, you could go, wow, that seems like a really neat person. And I mm-hmm. would like to get to know that person. What's this about? And, mm-hmm. and they were just, they had really keyed in on kind of that human element. And the, their style of them was kind of like how the church produces videos, mm-hmm. you know, with little snippets here and there, and you have the interview, and then maybe you have some camera footage of the grain fields in Rigby, Idaho. Oh, fancy. It was. It was, <laughs> and music woven in. I was, I was duly impressed. I was like, because being a consumer of social media content that I am, I was like, this is good social media content. I can see why this is driving people to their Facebook page hmm. because their content is very good. Interesting. So anyway. All right. Well, speaking of social media, should we start with our first shall story? Shall we dive into news? Okay. I don't know if I want to. I feel like a little deja vu here. Yes. Our our first story tonight, if you've ever read a shampoo bottle, the instructions are always lather, rinse, repeat. I feel like tonight our lead story is a lather, rinse, repeat story to it a is. certain extent. 
So last Friday, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, specifically the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles and the members of the First Presidency, issued a statement about the recent violence that had occurred in Washington, D.C. Now, some people think this statement was a, a, a tad overdue by a few days. Yeah, but I think everyone was anxiously waiting to see yes. if, if they would. But um, they issued this statement and they said specifically, we condemn violence and lawless behavior, including the recent violence in Washington, D.C., and any suggestion of further violence. And then they go on to say, we remind our members, whatever their individual political views, to be united in our commitment to the Savior, Jesus Christ, and his teachings. As followers, we should treat one another and all of God's children with respect, dignity, and love. No political or other affiliation should supersede that covenant and sacred responsibility. Again, very much a church statement. So this statement was posted in two places on social media. The church has its own Facebook page, and so it was on the church's Facebook page. And then the newsroom for the church also has a Facebook page, and it was on the newsroom's Facebook page. Well, as you recall, last month we talked about the church congratulating Joe Biden. Mm -hmm. Now, that statement was only posted to the newsroom Facebook page and the uh, proliferation of comments that ensued resulting in the comments being turned off. Yes. Well... And Let's, they did not leave the comments turned off because it happened again. <laughs> well, I think they could just turn comments off for a particular post. I'm just thinking that maybe at this point in time, it just might be a good idea to just like permanently shut down your comments. No good is coming of this. No good is coming of this. And you called me on that Friday and you were like, here we go again. I did. And it was just last Friday and I was like, dang it. Why is it on our week to podcast? Why can't Jeff take some of these crazies? <laughs> So true to form, the crazies came out. Now, I will say Newsroom did shut their comments down after about five, 600 comments. I checked today. The church Facebook page is still going strong. They haven't shut it they down They have yet? not shut their comments down. Because when I looked, because yes, you sucked me in this time. I did suck Last you time I refused to look. This time I couldn't, I couldn't not look. There were like eight. 1,800? Yes. What's it up to now? There are 2,800 comments and counting. So I'm just, I'm not going to go as crazy as I did last month. They're not all bad. There were some very supportive. There were, there were a lot of comments that were very, very, very supportive. But then there were several comment wars. The the crazies came out. (laughs) So I'm just going to share a couple and then I'm going to share my favorite one on the newsroom Facebook Mm -hmm. page. Okay, so this comment is from the church's Facebook page, and it says, President Trump is being attacked by evil on all fronts, and we must continue to support him through thick and thin. Any people who abandon their leaders in times of battle and need will consequently have no leadership, but only masters of masses and those who control them with heavy hands, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, did you read what they said about respect, dignity, and love? Probably not. And then there was someone on the church's Facebook page who said, um, let's see here. Let me find this one because I really liked it. It said, and again, this is a positive comment. It's a shame based on the comments that people aren't pondering the words given by those we sustain as prophet, seers, and revelators and doing pretty much the opposite of what was just said. In the words of one of the apostles, 
Stop it. <laughs> that is what I want to say to all of these people. I want to quote President Uppdorf because he was president at the time. He oh, was yeah. not an elder. He was in the presidency at the that time. That was a good talk. We should all go reread that talk. It should just be mandatory. When some member of the church complains, I think we should just, <laughs> I think there should just be an automatic link that sends, shoots them that talk where, where, uh, old Dieter says, stop it. Just stop it. Does that mean I also have to stop complaining about four-hour church? <laughs> that might mean you have to stop complaining about four-hour church. All right. I, I, yeah, actually, your, your, your complaints about four-hour church, I think, are, are easily distinguishable from, from the crazies here. Uh, but let me get to my favorite comment on the newsroom feed, because... Uh, apparently we still, last month I talked about the coup that had gone on in the church newsroom that people were accusing it of right. the liberals of taking over. Being the liberal church newsroom. Being the liberal church newsroom. This commenter says, my fear is that the church news has proven not to be truthful. Until the presidency actually says these words, I can't believe their statement. Sadly, the church news lost their integrity by printing nearly verbatim what the media tries to convince us of. I do not have a problem problem with treating people with kindness, regardless of party affiliation. That is Christ-like. However, God has never told us to take mistreatment and allow evildoers to have their way. He tells us to always stand for righteousness, and I will stand on the right side of God, not the media or the evildoers. Well, after that comment, mm. the church newsroom actually got on and responded. They actually replied to her? They actually replied to her. Oh. And I was like, yes. I feel like they never do that. They never do that. They couldn't resist. They couldn't resist. There's somebody sitting there behind the screen going, I have to, I have to. I think they're probably getting really tired of people telling them that there's been a coup and that the <laughs> st statements they are releasing are not from the Quorum of the Twelve and the First Presidency because they're still trying to form their militia to go in and recover the coup uh. that has been taken over by the church newsroom. So what did the church newsroom The say? church newsroom said, this statement is directly from the First Presidency and Quorum of the Twelve Apostles of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. You can read it here. And then links to, I, I believe- The church Facebook page? The, yeah, the, the church Facebook page. And I'm like, yeah, duh. That's what it says at the very beginning of the statement is, this is from the Quorum of the Twelve and the First Presidency. This is so disheartening to me. I, you know, I've had a few days to simmer down, but on Friday when you told me about yes. this. Oh, you were mad. And when I went and read him, it's just so disheartening to know that there are members in our congregation that are still after statement after statement and yeah. calls for unity and calls for, you know, being understanding yeah. and like living the laws yeah. and, you know, yeah. the laws of our country and simmering down. It's so disheartening to me that there are still members that are, this is a problem for. And I'm calmed down after several days and I just like keep reminding myself like this is not the majority of members. No. It's very small, vocal minority, loud handful. It's still disheartening to know yeah. that there are members that are feeling this way. But I just, you know, when I get into things like this, I just have to remind myself of the people that I know. Like who yes. do, who do I go to church with every week who are now are good people and hopefully they're not the ones on the comments. <laughs> this is why I'm scared to dive in. Because you might see somebody what you if know. someone you know is in there. But, you know, it's just 
you just have to remember, like, there are so many good people in the It's very true. And sometimes it's hard to remember that when you go into the comments and you deep dive in the slum of the comment oh, it is section so of Facebook. True. It is a black <laughs> hole that, you know, is just best not to not to go down. But yeah, I agree with you. It, it is disheartening. But yeah, when you look at it in that context and you think, okay, the majority of people I know, um, you know, are 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 treating each other the way that our church leaders expect us to treat each other. Right. So, so on that note, we're going to move towards a more positive. We're going to take a step in the middle and then we're going to take, take a step to the very positive in terms mm-hmm. of, uh, uh, of politics and, uh, social media and efforts and things like that. So, um, you may recall, I know Jeff touched on it last week that when Senator Mitt Romney was headed to Washington DC for the, uh, final vote, he got heckled. First of all, he got heckled in the airport by somebody who was very confrontational with him. And then if you've seen the video on the plane, there's a whole bunch of Trump supporters on the plane who just start yelling and screaming and telling me he's a traitor. And I was just infuriated. Oh, I felt so bad for him. Because nobody deserves to be treated like that. And I wondered, you know, what did the pilot do? Because the video cuts away right when the pilot gets on. Because let me tell you, if I'm the pilot, I'm going to be yelling at these people going, you're either going to zip your lips or I'm putting the plane down right now oh, and none of you are going to Washington, D.C. I can't imagine D.C. being a flight attendant. Oh, I, I can't be, either. That would be so stressful. You've got like I, an angry mob on your plane. <laughs> exactly. Well, and and that's why the FAA has those rules yeah. that you, they expect you to behave with civility on the plane and that the flight crew, whether it's the pilot or the flight attendants, they have the absolute authority, if you're misbehaving, to kick you off. Right. Well, Which Delta... What Delta did... Just announced this week, right? Yes. So they banned the passengers involved in harassing Utah Senator Mitt Romney. Right. Which I was like, clap, clap, clap for Delta. And I don't care if it had been, you know, whoever they had been harassing, whether it was mm-hmm. Romney, whether it was Biden, whether it was Trump, nobody deserves right. to be treated like that. And, um, you know, there's been a little bit of misinformation out there because the headlines have always been there on the no-fly list. Well, you have to be marked a terrorist to be on the federal no-fly list. They are on Delta's personal list of you can't fly on our airline. Right. So Which they, is ever-growing because of anti-maskers who are trying, exactly. <laughs> who are ending up on the list, too, exactly. right? Exactly. They're probably the same crowd. They're probably the same crowd. Well, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I'm going to make a whole bunch of people mad. Let's move on. Let's move on. <laughs> So yay for Delta for saying, you misbehave, you don't get to fly on our airlines. Okay, I am now going to move on to a very positive political story. This is a gentleman that I wish were my political, my my political representative. I wish I could vote for this man Mm -hmm. because everything I've read about this man so far, I'm like, you are really cool. Now, you may be wondering who I am talking about. I am talking about Utah's newest governor, and his name is Spencer Cox. And um, he has been the lieutenant governor since 2012 in Utah. He decided to run uh, and subsequently became elected. And he is the... 
He is probably the antithesis of everything we see in politics these days for Mm -hmm. several reasons. You may recall in his campaign in November, he did a joint commercial with his opponent. Oh, I do remember. And they both said, it was really good. We're going to be nice to each other. We're not going to get down in the fray and mudsling and we're going to talk about issues. We're not going to talk about personal things. Mm -hmm. So the Deseret News did a whole very large article on him with some background information. And um, he actually grew up in San Pete County on a farm in San Pete County. And um, just they talk about how he met his wife. Uh, his wife is named Abby. He has three boys. And then he has a his youngest daughter is 14. Um, he's a very, very smart man. First of all, he grew up with an incredible work ethic because he grew up on this farm. Um, he went to, um, I believe, if I recall correctly, he was accepted to Harvard Law School and hmm. ended up going to um, Washington and Lee University. Um, and then he, you know, after he did that, he clerked for a, he clerked for a federal judge and then he was, um, in a law firm in Salt Lake. And so he'd been in this law firm. He was on the track to make partner. He and his wife had seen this bumper sticker that said, it's 99% of attorneys who give the other 1% a bad name. And his wife says to him, is the world a better place because of what you do in your law firm? Uh Or he asked his wife that, is the world a better place because of what I do? And his wife was brutally honest with him. And she said, absolutely not. Uh Oh, (laughs) So they reconfigured their life. Uh He quit his job practicing law and they moved back to the family farm in Fairview. Whoa. I know. And he went I to hope board- he paid off his student loans before he did that. <laughs> well, I am guessing, <laughs> considering he was accepted to Harvard and he didn't go there and went to another university, he probably had some pretty okay. good scholarships okay, good. would be my guess. Sorry. But- these are the things I think of. I'm very concerned. But yeah, he probably did have some student loans. <laughs> anyway, so he went back and he worked the family farm and worked for a telecommunications company that is that his family owns. And so it just goes in on to mm-hmm. talk about just how grounded he is and how he got into politics and how when he became lieutenant governor, when um, Governor Herbert asked him, he said, well, I'm not moving from San Pete County. I'm not moving back to that rat race in Salt Lake. Hmm. He said, you're going to allow me to commute. So it was a hundred mile commute. He did that every single day, an hour and a half in and an hour and a half out. And he would listen to podcasts. One of his favorite things to listen to was Team of Rivals, which is the book about Abraham Lincoln. And he's taken a lot of those principles to heart because on his transition team, he put former political rivals on his transition team. He is all about... Did he put the guy he ran against that he did the commercial with? Um, I don't know if he put him Mm -hmm. on his transition team or not. Um, he is all about listening to other people's voices. Now, probably the coolest thing that I heard that he did during his campaign mm-hmm. is he went around to all of the small towns in Utah, which is not unusual. Politicians do that. But every time he went there, he had his campaign staff line up a service project. Oh, that's so cool. And he did a service project with the citizens of that community. And to me, that says so much about his character that, you know, regardless of how the campaign turned out, he was going to leave the world a better place for having run his campaign. So... To all our listeners who live in Utah, I am insanely jealous that Spencer Cox is your governor because, like, I am like fangirl worshiping him <laughs> because that is the kind of politician that I admire. That's really cool. Very cool. Okay, next article we have this came out in the Salt Lake Tribune last week, and it is about how many Congress members are LDS in this oh. newly elected Congress. It says, 
the new Congress has the fewest Latter-day Saints in 32 years. And really? how might that impact the church? I thought this was so interesting. So right now in the newly elected Congress, there are nine Latter-day Saint members. Okay. Six in the House and three in the Senate. Okay. It's the fewest that we've had in 32 years. Um, six of those nine are from Utah. Of course. Two are from Idaho. Okay. And one is from Arizona. Um, it said, and so they interviewed this um, David Magleby, who is a... Former professor oh, yes. at BYU. I, I had, had him too. I had Did him, you have too. him too. Yes, I love. I he was love so professor. good. Oh, he was yes. so good. He was the exit poll king. He started yes. the BYU exit polls. Oh yes, he was big on polling. Yes. So he is a former political science professor at BYU. Um, so they interviewed him extensively about like how uh-huh. is this going to impact the church, and he said. Um, that one of the things that is interesting is of these nine members that we mm-hmm. have now, there are no Democrats. And mm-hmm. he said, this is the first time in, I think, 20 years that we have not had a Democrat. Wow. Um, serving in Congress. Very interesting. Was it 20 or was it 30? Anyway, long time. First time. Long time. And he said, this is not great because it's really important to have someone of the prominent party who's a member of the church, like it just makes it a lot easier for getting things that you need. For getting access when it comes to issues that relate to the church. And he said things that it could affect are like missionary visas, um, when it comes to moving missionaries in and out of places quickly, Uh like they had to do for COVID. He said it's critical to be interact, able to interact with the state department. That Um, makes a lot of sense. So yes, the highest number we've ever had at one time was 18 year or 20 years ago. We had 18 members in Congress. Okay. That's so 2001, the highest number we've ever had. And he said that was a little bit high, like proportion wise, uh-huh. uh, U.S. They, they, population. They rode the coattails of the George W. Bush yes, election. They must have. <laughs> so population wise, uh, members of the church make up 2% of the population okay. of the country. So 22 years ago when they were at a high, it was 3.4% of Congress were up. So we were a little bit high and now we're a little bit low because now that we're down to nine, we're 1.7 seats of Congress, but we're not that far off. No, we're not that far off. We're like matching the general population. Um, But I just thought that was super interesting. And then he said um, that historically the church has really had good relationships with both Republicans and Democrats in Congress. Uh, but the other downside of not having a Democrat in there is it can reinforce perceptions about yes. the church being ultra conservative. And sometimes it's a misperception. We're um, being full of crazies <laughs> if you read the Facebook so, page. So he said, as of now, uh, Romney probably has the most power because as far as working with the other side. Yes. Which we all know because probably half of Utah would say he is a Democrat. <laughs> Yes, there's there's a large contingency in Utah who calls him a rhino, which is Republican but, in name only. <laughs> Professor Magleby said that Romney, you know, with his how well known he, he is, is very well and known. that he's a centrist. Well, um, and and that's what the Democrats understand yeah, is yeah. that he's not, you know, first of all, he's very independent in terms of he votes his his moral conscience, right, what right. he thinks is right doesn't always just toe the party line. He typically does vote with the Republicans, yeah. but he's certainly not afraid to vote otherwise. Right. So they he was just saying, you know, Romney's probably 
the best suited at this yeah. point in time to cross the aisle and and have relations that we need very as a true. church. So anyway, it was a very interesting article on just how this affects yeah. us as a church. You don't really think about it affecting us. And it won't be like anything major, yeah. but just of course, those little things. And I think that's kind of built into our church culture. You know, it began with Joseph yes. Smith. We've always liked having representation. Exactly. So, so it's very interesting to see it ebb and flow as the years go. Yes. So if you are a member of the church and you're a Democrat, you need to get yourself into Congress. Exactly. We, need, we need some more representation. We, apparently the Democrats need to, <laughs> so, we need to have at least one there. Think about running. Start planning now. Well, and we know it's probably not going to be from Idaho or Utah. So <laughs> yeah. we're, we're looking to some people outside. Come on, you Eastern states. <laughs> That's right. Okay, let's uh, let's let's talk. Let's talk. Let's move on from politics. We're yes. gonna move on from politics. We've had enough. Let's enough. move on. <laughs> All right. So our first story there is. Uh, I think you're gonna do this. Is about the plaza. Oh, that's right. The next, or thing, as I like to call it, one church plaza. The next thing we're going to talk about is the church recently announced that they will be redoing the plaza in front of the church office building. Over the next 18 months, which I don't think we was on our radar. We, no. We knew the temple. We knew the temple was getting redone. And then they threw this into, and I think, you know, you might as well, you've got everything torn well, up. Yeah, exactly. As long it's as you're time. keeping people out and you're ripping it up. So they, I guess, have had all kinds of water issues with, they have that big fountain outside of the church office building. Which, which apparently shoots water 52 feet in the air. I had no idea. It was Neither that did I. Big. So, and I guess it's just caused water issues for years, leaking water. There's a parking structure underneath and there's been issues with pipes and leaking water and they don't want to like, you know, damage the parking I structure. I understand because nothing really <laughs> so. is more corrosive and damaging than water issues. Oh, uh, yeah. As you and I both know, because we both like to have water issues We're both in our house. plagued with water issues in our homes. But that's a story for another day. <laughs> so, so yeah, they're just going to tear the fountain out. They're going to replace it with, like, beautiful landscaping. They said one perk of this will be you'll have a better view of the temple. It won't oh. be obstructed by the fountain right outside of the office building. So... Yeah. Perfect. Well, and I have another renovation that is has taken place in that area. Now, I know we have discussed this before on the podcast. We have pontificated that since the temple has been closed, where are yes. the members of the 12 and the first presidency meeting? We were speculating bountiful. We, we? we were speculating bountiful. Because that's President Nelson's temple. That's 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 his that's his home turf. We had no idea if Bountiful Temple even had a, you know a room that could right. accommodate that. But and and maybe they have been meeting there until now. Um, because they have their every Thursday morning meeting that they generally do in the Salt Lake Temple. Well, apparently last year they pulled a little building permit to revamp one of the top floors or the top floor of the Joseph Smith Memorial Building, formerly known as yes. the Hotel Utah. In 2019, it said. Yeah. And it said they finished the construction a, yeah. a year ago. It, well, no, they, they, they pulled the permit to mm -hmm. begin construction in late 2018, early 2019. And, oh, okay, so yes, on January 7th, 2020, the city issued a certificate of occupancy. Now, this is, this is a story from Peggy Fletcher, Peggy Fletcher Stack that came out on January 14th of this year. So this has really been kept 
you know, it's kind of a on the hush. Whole hush. year that they've had this. They've whole year they've had this occupancy permit, and and nobody knew. Right. Somebody started digging around in <laughs> records, or somebody tipped Peggy Fletcher's stack off, and she started right. digging around in records. And so then she started asking questions at the church, and they kind of had to confirm it. Yes. And so the permit was to renovate a floor of the Joseph Smith Memorial Building. Yes. To kind of make it a little bit like a mini temple. So the substitute space was prepared and dedicated according to church spokesman Doug Anderson. He he admitted to that last mm-hmm. week and uh and he said yes, it is for the senior church officials right. and that you know, he says traditionally those high power temple gatherings have included a sacrament ritual which I did not realize, uh-huh. which is also performed on Sundays at church and uh, Peggy says unlike normal worship for the global faith um, the um, top leadership assemblies include a prayer circle, which we know that we do in the temple, but they also do it there and uh, so then she goes on to say, you know, have there been other places that leaders have met but before and before the salt lake temple was finished uh they used um at the count they met regularly at the council house utah's large public building um the ground floor uh housed public events and apparently the upper floor was used for endowments and that's where they met and so they they have used other places but once they got the temple built and dedicated they used the temple and so now they are using uh, it's either the top floor or I think one it's of the eighth floor. The maybe? eighth floor. So, so I thought this was so interesting. And I thought it was so interesting they finished it right before COVID hit. I know. Because all the temples are closed yeah. and now you've got this space you can yeah. use. Although it did say in the article, we don't know how much of it's being used exactly. in person. Because we don't, um, you know. You know, we can only speculate. We don't know if they are doing it via Zoom because mm-hmm. they don't want to be together or if the if the room is such that they can all mask up and be spread out spread yeah. out we we don't know but yeah. in any event it answers that question that we had some time ago going where the heck are they hanging out right now we know <laughs> now we know and won't it be interesting when the temple opens up i mean i'm assuming they'll take it down i mean i'm sure they yeah. won't leave it will they or will they leave it as like a backup i don't know <laughs> that is a really good question because they've dedicated it right so i mean it is dedicated so that they can perform what would you do to undo it <laughs> well i guess it wouldn't be any different than when we take down a temple for you know uh, for for construction we right. consider it no longer dedicated I, yeah. I don't i don't really know anyway. what they'll do with the space but they spent a chunk of change they spent oh, 2 yeah. million renovating it oh yeah that was shocking to me that was shocking thought, to me too well what do you have to do don't you just have to make a big room and make some chairs put some and, fancy chairs in and <laughs> some fancy paint on the wall and, exactly I, I don't know i don't know because I'm, I'm very curious i'm though. guessing pictures are not going to be forthcoming no but i would love that so much i know i would too <laughs> So I, I guess I guess we should just be glad that somebody at least answered the question of where the heck are they meeting? That's because right. they did keep that under wraps for quite some time. I know that's a long time to keep that. That's a long time. All right, where are we at? Oh yes, youth conferences. So the church released. Well, President Ballard released an announcement. Um, over this past week saying to go ahead and plan local youth conferences and camps for 2021 in the United States, but do not plan on for the strength of youth conferences in the U.S. Yes. until 2022. 
FSY conferences. They were supposed to start in 2020 in the United States. They've been happening outside of the U.S. already for many years. But 2020 was supposed to be our year for for the U.S. and Canada. Uh, Now we're pushing that to 2022. But they did say, you know, on a ward level, we want you to plan what you can. Consistent with. Right, with local Whatever guidelines. Local regulations but and guidelines are. it sounds like they really want um it di- I did get the impression from this article that they really want to encourage stakes to yeah. do something, do whatever you yeah. can. I feel like they're really feeling the urge to pull these youth in. Um which I totally agree with. Yeah. <laughs> they you know, I really hope that the youth can have somewhat of a summer program. Whatever that, that looks would like. Be really nice. This year. Really nice. Yeah. I know our words moving ahead with girls camp and just crossing their fingers and saying their prayers that they'll be able to go somehow they can make it work okay. and make it safe, but you won't, we won't know that for we, several more we months. We won't know that. So, okay. Um, also announced this week, the primary leaders announced they are doing a friend to friend broadcast for children. Now this is going to be similar to the face to face broadcasts that, that they've they do done for, youth. for the youth and the young adults. Um, this will be the very first one they've done for primary kids. So oh. I thought that would be fun. So it's going to be available for viewing February 20th um, at 11 a.m. It'll go live. It's yeah. not going to be a live type of thing like the face-to-face is. Yeah. It's going to be pre-recorded and it said it'll have music and stories and fun things for kids. So, And if you can't watch it when when it at 11 a.m. Yeah, you can. It, they'll, it's available. It I think yeah. it's, they're putting it up on the YouTube. Yeah, it'll, it'll be just on be available BYU to, TV, yeah. YouTube, probably. Exactly. Facebook, who knows? So. All right. Roots Tech, that is coming up in February. We talked about that, how um, this year they're not having any charge for Roots Tech and it's going to be all virtual. Well, they have announced their headline speaker for Roots Tech. Mm-hmm. And let me tell you, if you haven't signed up, you need to go sign up now. It will be Elder and Sister Holland. And it says the Holland and their families plan to, and their family plan to share family memories and stories through a video that was recorded at various locations around their hometown of St. George, Utah. They will discuss how to connect one's to one's heritage, ancestors, immediate family, and God, according to a church statement. I'm very excited about this. I feel like anytime I get any kind of glimpse into any of their like, private lives. I know. I get super excited, which is weird. That's like, well, I know, but, but like, remember when we saw president Nelson's house and he was playing the piano. Exactly. It's like, Ooh, is that his house? Exactly. (laughs) You know, and it kind of depends on who it is because there are some apostles that I'd be like, yeah, I don't really care what your house looks like. Holland is one that I care what his house looks like, you know? And And I want to hear from his wife. I know. I, interesting, I saw a snippet from that video that they released this week uh-huh. uh, in anticipation just to kind of get people jazzed up about it. And it wasn't very long. It was maybe more, no more than 20 seconds. And they were outside a brick house in St. George mm-hmm. that um, Elder Holland said, this is the house that I grew up in. And I, it's like a hair studio where I can't, no, I don't know what it is uh-huh. now. But then you see he and his son, Matthew, inside the house and they're talking for a bit. And you, you can, if you look really carefully in the video, you can see that Elder Holland is walking with a walker. Oh, really? Which I was like, oh, you know, oh. we knew he had these health issues. And uh-huh. we knew from his podcast with the church news that not all of his health issues were resolved. Mm-hmm. But you, I could clearly see if you look carefully, oh. you could tell he's holding on to a walker. 
And it just kind of broke my heart because it's like he said in his podcast, he'd always just been really strong and healthy. Yeah. And I, I, that's how I picture him. And, and I'm glad that he's able to do this yeah. video and we will probably see more of it in this video, but it is even more reason that I want to watch right. them over and above that. It's so. kind of sad when you see the, you know, the ones, those apostles that you've grown up with yes. start to deteriorate. It reminds me of watching our grandparents deteriorate. Exactly. You know, you exactly. don't, you don't see him. Like when I lived out of town from our grandparents and I would come back only a couple times of yeah. a year, you see that deterioration yeah. quick. It feels quick. Yeah, it feels quick. It does. And for me, he was the president of BYU when I first started at BYU. Yeah. So I, you know, my first interaction with him is he is very young and very, you know, right. vivacious. Yeah. So, well, we will look forward to hearing from him yes. at Roots Tech. Okay. Next article is about a BYU football player slash NFL football player that is, has just been called to be a mission president. Okay. So, um, this guy's name is Gabriel Reed and his wife is Heather Reed. And they have been called to serve over the Sydney, Australia mission. Now that kind of sounds like a pretty sweet gig. I know. And so this was a really interesting story because it said that back in like 2019, um, when they announced, uh, well, he was born and raised in Samoa, American Samoa, American Samoa. And when they announced that they were putting a temple there, was it in 2019? Uh, yes, it was. It was April conference, 2019. Um, he said that him and his wife just like had this gut feeling that they should move there when they announced that they were putting the temple there. Now, mind you, he lived in Provo at the time yes, and he, owns an, a, a successful construction and yes. environmental company. And all of a sudden he's like, yo, Heather, we need to return to the motherland. Yes. We need to go back to American Samoa. So they start shipping their belongings over so, there. Yeah, they pack up their stuff. They start sending their stuff over and then COVID-19 hit. Um, this spring, and that was when they were supposed to go. Yes, and they already they, had their airline tickets. They too. put it all on hold yeah. and said, okay, this is going to have to wait for a little bit. And then in the meantime, <laughs> he got called to be a mission president. Now he is young. He is 43 years old. Yes. And when you look at his picture and his wife's picture, I'm like, oh gosh, that's almost, they're pretty much my age. They're pretty much they're your age. They're so young. <laughs> I know. And they still have kids at home too. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So this is, this is a, this is a big adventure, not only for them, but you know, telling your kids, well, I guess this is this where you're going to go to school for the next yeah. three years. Yeah. But he also said in the article that I really appreciated is he said, you know, he, he's talking about the prompting he got to, uh, to go to Samoa. And then he ends up, of course, not going there. And he says, you know, that prompting was every bit as valid as the confirmation that I need to serve as a mission president. Uh-huh. And he said it was that prompting that got us into the idea of moving oh, yeah. and changing up our lives to wrap your head around it, to wrap their head around it. So uh-huh. when the call came to be a mission president, it was, it, Although it probably was surprising, they're like, well, we were going to move anyway. We're just moving a little further south. (laughs) I know. know. So really interesting. Anyways, he was a tight end for the Cougars back 99 to 2002, which is while I was there, but I don't remember him. Um, And then he went on to play for the Bears. Uh, So, yeah, he's... And He's, it also said in the article he was a walk-on with the Cougars. He was a walk-on. So they interviewed some of his teammates who just said, hey. They rave about him. He can work. He will kill it as a mission yeah. president because he works hard. Anybody yeah. who walks on to BYU and, and ends up in the NFL, an NFL is player. a hard worker. Yeah. <laughs> 
No, that's awesome. Okay. Other Mormon celebrities in the news. Okay. We're going to talk about Elizabeth Smart. Oh, we love to talk about her. We do love to talk about her. Now, this came as a huge shock to me. I have not been watching this show. There was this show called The Masked The Masked Singer, and this was on Fox. And the first season that it was on, yeah, we talked remember? about it before. Donnie Os- Donny Osmond, Donny was, Osmond on was on it. In fact, trying to think if he won that season, he might have won. I think that he season. did. I think he did. So they have a spinoff show called The Masked Dancer. I did not know this existed. I had heard of it, but this I hadn't- seems strange to me. How do you dance in a mask? <laughs> Well, yeah, uh, you know, I, I, like I said, I haven't been watching it. But in any event, they had gotten to the Group B playoffs, and there was a this this dancer who dressed who danced as a moth. She was mm-hmm. she was dressed up as a moth, and so she ended up losing. And so the mask comes off, and lo and behold, it was Elizabeth Smart up there strutting her stuff on the stage. Well, that is surprising. It is completely surprising because most of the people who have been on The Masked Singer or The Masked Dancer have been singers, athletes, YouTube stars, and actors. They have never had anybody who was an activist. And so when she was asked, you know, what made you do this? Because it Mm -hmm. seems very out of the realm for Elizabeth Smart. She said, my grandma passed away recently, but she was, and she was so much fun. She never let a moment pass her by. So when this opportunity came along, I thought, I live a pretty serious life. I'm going to take this opportunity and just have some fun. And so that's what she did. And she said she had a blast doing it. Apparently, Brian Austin Green, who was one of the judges, was the only Mm -hmm. one able to guess who she was because they give clues every week to who the performer is. Hmm. So... Anyway, so then um, following up on this, of course, then once she was revealed, all the medias wanted to interview mm-hmm. her. So she went on the Today Show and she was talking about her appearance on The Masked Dancer on the Today Show. And they asked her, you know, what about your kidnapping story? You know, your children are getting older. Her oldest is five right now. What, if anything, have you said to your children or are you going to say to your children? Mm -hmm. And I thought this was really interesting. She says, occasionally I'm doing a presentation or I'm on a Zoom call, which, you know, prior to COVID, her kids probably never would have traveled with her for that. But now she's at home doing that. And um, her oldest daughter will say, why? And what are you doing? And how are you doing that? You know, Mm -hmm. why are you doing this? And so she does say that she has started to kind of explain things to her oldest daughter, that she does not want to hide anything from her children, but she's trying to obviously be very age appropriate and not frighten her children. Yeah. So I, I thought that that was very cool. Yeah. Very cool. Okay, next little shout out we want to give to um, Mormonland podcast, which is yes. done by the Salt Lake Tribune. Yes. They had a podcast early December, so it's a little bit older now. It's about a month old, um, but I don't think it got a mention on here, um, but it was so interesting. I listened to it, and then I think you listened yes. to it. It was all about the Latter-day Saints and their love-hate history with vaccines. Yes. And it was super interesting. They interviewed like a historian that talked about um, how vaccines were treated within the church in the Utah community back in the 1900s um, when the smallpox vaccine came out. And it was just really interesting. So in light of the vaccine coming forth (laughs) soon, um, it was a really interesting 
thing to listen to just about how the church leaders handled it back then. They were divided. They were divided. And what was really interesting is the editor of the Deseret News. So this is the smallpox vaccine. Mm -hmm. He is just slamming the smallpox vaccine with everything you've heard right now. It's not safe. It's not Uh tested. It's not true. Exact, you know, et cetera. And this is, of course, a church-owned publication, yet then you have general authorities who say take the vaccine right. and other general authorities who don't. And just a lot of the, a lot of the distrust of the right. vaccine, of the vaccine, which is so interesting because, you know, as they say, history always repeats itself or at least, know. you know, comes in a different, a different rhyme, I but know. same flavor. And for me, that just makes me, it gives me comfort. <laughs> I know this is bad. No, I totally get it. You know, but when I read stuff like this, and same thing when I've been reading stuff about the 1918 The Spanish flu, flu. It just, there's something comforting just knowing that, okay, we've been through this before. We made it through. People survived. People disagreed. I'm sure it got heated, but they made it through. Yes. <laughs> so, and I think you and I were talking a couple weeks ago about how interesting it will be as the vaccine comes out to see what our church leaders do, like the 12 yes. and the prophet. Are they publicly, are they going to talk about being vaccinated publicly? Are they going to like on their personal social yes. media pages post about it? It's just going to be really interesting to see how it's handled. This is what I am hoping for. Uh, in an ideal world, I would love to see a video of President Nelson getting vaccinated <laughs> because if it's a picture, somebody will claim it was fi- it was photoshopped. Uh-huh. I doubt we'll see a video. No, maybe if we're lucky, we will see uh, we will see him getting vaccinated. Uh, if not, you know, maybe a couple of other members of the twelve or the right. first presidency getting vaccinated. I really sincerely hope that there are some pictures of that along Mm -hmm. with a statement saying, we are so grateful for this vaccine. We fasted and prayed last April uh, for uh, a quick resolution to the end of this COVID crisis. Uh, This is what the Lord has provided. You know, we have no, we have no fear of the Mm -hmm. vaccine. We are getting vaccinated because much like the mask or no mask debate in the church, I think as the vaccine becomes more widely um, available to people, I think we are probably going to see a similar divide. Yeah. So I would love nothing more than to see members of the 12 so that, um, uh, again, right. Say, well, I'm going to follow the example of elder fill in the blank. Yeah. Well, and it'll be interesting because I don't see them making a blanket statement. No, I don't either do this, but I definitely, I could see them more just setting the example and saying, make your own choices. What's good for your family. Yeah. But this is what we're doing. So it'll be interesting to see how it's handled. Yeah. So yes, yes, it will. Mm -hmm. And, 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 to see how that debate will will heat up because, oh. like I said, that is my next prediction for uh, social media debates between members is uh, just like what occurred in in for the smallpox vaccine. Yeah, hopefully that falls on Jeff's week. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I have a feeling it'll be a long. It's going to be more than a week. More than a week. <laughs> so. All right. Shall we, shall we wrap things up here? Yes. So now normally at this point in our show, we do members behaving badly. Uh, but I just decided in light of the Facebook comments that we saw 
uh, and discussed earlier in the show that I am just going to say for members behaving badly, it's all of those Facebook comments that were not in line and in harmony with the brethren telling us to love and respect each other. Though That is my example of members behaving yes, badly. We nominate them. We nominate them. All of them. Okay. Get off of Facebook. <laughs> Please. <laughs> so, okay. Um, oh, should we do favorite things? Let's do some okay. favorite things. So my favorite thing this month is um, also politically related. Gosh, can we get off of politics? <laughs> but this is a really good one. So I really want to like share it with the whole world. Okay. I have not been this passionate about a favorite thing in a very long time. Okay. Oh, now you have me, now you have me so, intrigued. You have me very intrigued. This is an Instagram account that I stumbled upon. Oh, I know which one you're talking about now. On January 6th. <laughs> She got, a, she got a big boost January 6th. Oh, her numbers skyrocketed. Her name is Sharon Says So. She's on Instagram. She is a former government teacher and like a geek. She totally geeks out over constitutional law. It's yes. just her passion. Yes. Former high school government teacher. Now she says her calling is to teach Instagrammers <laughs> about government. <laughs> She's really good. And so, she's from Minnesota. And so when she talks, sometimes her Minnesota accent will kick in and it's so cool. Which I normally have like a real thing. Like I can't stand a Minnesota accent, uh -huh. but she's warming me up to it because I love her so much. <laughs> so she has this Instagram account and she just um, talks about government and a very neutral, like her whole goal, goal of this account is is to present news and answer questions about factually based our government solely on facts. Like she does not insert her opinion. No, she has this ability and I've never seen anybody. She's be really so good at this. Good at that. Yeah. She has this ability to remain so neutral and just present the facts and do it in a very concise way. Yes. That's very under like precise understanding. I think every person in America <laughs> should go follow this account and just learn. Like she, sometimes she does a question box every day in her Instagram yes. stories and gets all kinds of questions that people are asking her. Everything from like questions about conspiracy theories to questions about the constitution, questions yes. about impeachment. I mean, just every government related thing you can think of. And she's passionate about whales. She shows oh, yes. a lot about whales. She also throws in whale videos occasionally, which I think is really nice because it breaks it up. Yes. Like it kind of breaks up the heaviness of, but she is a very calming presence. And I saw so many people share her stuff mm -hmm. on January 6th and 7th, yes. the day after the riot, um, that I was like, well, I have to see who she is. And once I started following her, she presents the facts in such a calm way that I felt like she was very calming for me Yes. versus when I watch the news or, you know, listen to the news. I, I or can go down the rabbit hole of Facebook comments. Or go down the rabbit hole of Facebook comments. I can very easily get, you know, riled up and, and sucked in, worried and, and anxious. Yeah. But when I read her, uh, stories where, you know, she presents the news, she just presents the day's headlines and then answers people's questions about what's yeah. going on. She's so calming. Yeah. <laughs> so I love her so much. I will be loyal for life. And, and she, like you said, her account skyrocketed. Yeah. When I first started following her, I think like January 7th, she had, I think a hundred thousand or close to a hundred thousand. And she was joking about if she'd make it to 150. Um, now what are we a week and a half later? She's yeah. like close to 300,000 followers. Wow. Like 
people just started flocking to her because really everybody her. started sharing her stuff. Uh, and- I, I followed her and I really, really have enjoyed her for that very mm-hmm. reason because she is so knowledgeable and so calming and just these are the facts. Right. And she never puts anybody down for no. a qu- dumb question because no. some of the questions she gets, I'm like, really? Yeah. People don't know that. Exactly. <laughs> and she is so nice. She never is like, well, this is like something we learned in elementary. She's just, yeah. she answers their questions in the kindest way and very respectful towards all sides. Like some questions yeah. she gets are clearly from the left. Some yeah. questions she gets are clearly from the right, trying to like, jab a little and she answers them in like the most calm way that she really does although last week there was talk of success of us of secession by the state of texas and she managed to uh enrage an entire state in our country the texans came for her last week because she told them they cannot secede they really wanted to secede and she's like yeah there's a supreme court case that says you can't (laughs) anyway all right well i better better end really quickly my favorite thing is a thing that i borrowed from you so oh. I broke my mop. I had a spin mop. And yes, I managed to break my the handle, my metal handle on the spin mop. Totally broke it in half. I'm not sure how that happened. So I needed a new mop. And so I was discussing this with you and I knew you had a steam mop. So I borrowed Ariane's uh, Shark Genius steam mop and did my floors over the weekend. And I don't think my floors have ever been that clean. I feel like <laughs> with the other mop, like... like even just the cleaner would leave a residue. Mm -hmm. And so I really loved it. And so now I'm going to go purchase one for myself because like I said, I was duly impressed with how well it cleaned my floors that I actually, when I was walking on them, I was like, wow, I don't think my floors have ever felt this clean. And the, the, the scrubber things afterwards were pretty much black. It was kind of (laughs) disgusting. (laughs) Yes. I love the steam mop. So that's my favorite thing. All right. Okay. I think that about does it. I think it does. So Twim Nation, thank you very much for joining us. And as always, if you have comments, you can write Jeff an email at, uh, at, uh, this week in, at com, or, what is it? This week in Mormons? I don't even know what are you, my brain is fried. I don't know. You're the one that always remembers the email I address. Know, and now I can't remember it. Go leave us a comment on Facebook or message us on <laughs> Facebook. Jeff responds to those as well. <laughs> yes. Follow on Facebook, Instagram, all the things. And um, oh, if you want to support, you can Patreon. join Patreon. And be a monthly supporter just to help us keep our lights on. So thank and you very much. We thank you so much for listening. Mm-hmm.